0: You have to approach that uncomfortable step in your relationship where you may have to realize, okay, I'm not good at doing what they need, but how can I at least make some like an effort to get closer?
1: I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues, we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life let's dive in Hey there, thank you for tuning in to another podcast episode. I am so glad that you are here. As we release this episode, it is being released in May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I went over to the Canadian Mental Health Associations page to see what the theme was. And the theme this year is This is Empathy. Before you weigh in, tune in. Empathy is such a powerful thing that we can do in our relationships, and it doesn't take much. It's a skill. We can practice it, but it is so important, particularly when it comes to our mental health experiences, because we all just need to be seen. We all need to be understood. We need someone to tune into us, to see our feelings, to not judge us, and to see the world as we see it. And this particularly comes up in our relationships. When we struggle with mental health, it can be incredibly hard to navigate our partnerships and to be in a connected relationship. So I've reached out to my guest today to join me to talk all about mental health. Today, I'm sitting with Dr. Kojo Sarfo. He is a social media content creator, mental health nurse practitioner, and psychotherapist with over 2 million followers on all of his social media channels. Dr. Kojo is also the author of an Amazon best-selling book titled You Already Won, and he's working on his second book, which is going to be a mental health workbook. He also hosts The Late Night with Dr. Kojo, a daily live show that streams mostly on Facebook, and that is on Mondays to Thursdays. And I was also incredibly fortunate to be able to sit down with him and talk about all things relationships on his show. Let's go into today's episode. Hi, Dr. Kojo. Thank you for sitting with me today.
0: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: You and I just recently sat together on your show. So I want to first hand it over to you and you tell us three things about you.
0: Oh, wow. Three things about me. Okay, so I'll go with the interesting things. Uh, I'm a huge sports fan. I like the Tennessee Titans. That's my favorite football team. Um, I have a passion for creating content online, you know, revolving around mental health. And then the third thing, uh, I would say the name Kojo, my first name, uh, is a name for a male born on Monday in Ghana. That's where I'm from. So I'm trying to give interesting things about me.
1: I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have known that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, so you you mentioned this piece around TikTok and your social media work. And you and I had this conversation recently about just how interesting it is to be in the mental health profession and to be doing something different and stepping outside of our, our roles as patient therapists. So what inspired you to start... The stuff that you're doing on social media, on TikToks. You know, I've watched several of your dances.
0: I appreciate that. So for me, it started out uh, kind of out of boredom. You know, I started making content regularly in December of 2019. And uh, at that time, I was working back in um, Southern Virginia. I was doing forensic psychiatry. It was my first job out of school. I just graduated with my um, nurse practitioner degree. And, uh, you know, TikTok was fairly new. I had heard people talk about it here and there. Uh, and my younger brother had made a comment saying that the kids pay more attention to TikTok than the actual teachers. So I had to figure out what the the big deal about TikTok was. So I got on the app and, um, you know, at the time, um, the girl I was dating, you know, she was from out of town. So she was in Georgia and now it's in Virginia. So she would come like maybe two weekends out the month. But when she wouldn't come, I was like, extremely bored i didn't know what to do so i started scrolling on tiktok i would spend all my weekends on tiktok just laughing at the videos and then at at some point like mid-december i started to make my own content Uh, it wasn't the best of content but it was just something to kind of like get me started as a creator and as i started to you know make content and then people saw my name and my instagram was like glued to it they would ask questions about like my profession and you know mental health and uh, and things like that so as i found different and interesting ways to answer those questions. Uh, It kind of took off, but I started, I I wanted to talk because I was bored. Like I didn't have anything better to do. Like I was in a new city. I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. So I was was just on there just to pass time away. So it's remarkable to see how it's become like, like my thing now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the impact you're having, I think is something really important for, for people to recognize is that, people are opening up the conversation around what it means to have a mental health disorder, what it means to have a neurodivergent brain, the struggles that they're having. And you're just looking at the comments in your community, this is a space that we need. We need to feel understood.
0: All right. And I think people have been seeking that validation for a long time. So when an app like TikTok came along and you're seeing all these people who have the same experiences like you, Like it's almost mind blowing because you're like, oh, wow, I thought I was the only one going through it. And as we know, the pandemic hit like right after that, like December 2019. And then maybe three months later, we're in the pandemic. So people, it was very comforting for people to know that I'm not the only one who's at home, who can't reach out to their family, who can't see their loved ones. Uh, So being able to validate the human experience is important because without it, we'll be at home thinking that we're the only one who's going through a unique experience Um, And sometimes that allows the negative thoughts to kind of creep in and then, you know, you can easily spiral from there.
1: It's such a downward spiral, right? That isolation really leads us just to spiral. And then that further contributes to that struggle with depression, anxiety. Okay. I have to switch gears into the ADHD piece because your reels on ADHD, the education you're sharing, so many people, they just connect to it. They feel so seen and understood. And one of the common questions I get from people in my community is I don't know how to deal with my partner who has ADHD. And I'm wondering what are some of those key things that we need to know about someone who has ADHD or who has a neurodivergent brain?
0: So I think the main thing is like a willingness to want to, to understand your partner, you know, and ADHD, I look at it it's kind of like being like autism in the sense that it's kind of like there's a spectrum right there's different types of adhd you know you have the inattentive type the more so hyperactive type sometimes it's combined uh so sometimes you can have two people with adhd maybe in the same family but they have different presentations so it's important to talk to your partner to have adhd and ask them like what support do you need you know because mm-hmm. uh, simple misunderstanding can turn into a big argument which can turn into something that you all are living life months down the road and then you go back to this argument where somebody said something about the other person and you hold on to that hurt and it turns into resentment. And so just figuring out what your partner needs. And, you know, as of late I've been posting about the sensory issues um, that you might see with ADHD. So sometimes it's good to know whether if your partner down like the, the tags at the back of their clothing, maybe, you know, it's an, maybe take it off for them, you know, that that could go a long way and help them to validate their feelings or even Uh, Like knowing when they like to be touched, they may not want to be hugged at that time. You know, they may not want you to be playing loud music or to have bright lights that could throw them off. You know, so and also for the person with ADHD, it's important to communicate because if you don't communicate to see your partner, they might think that you're being standoffish or you know you've lost interest in them or you don't want to be intimate. But it may be like a sensory issue or. You know, with ADHD, a lot of times, it doesn't just come by itself. Like, you'll see other comorbidities, so maybe an eating disorder, anxiety, or depression. So it's good to just ask your partner, like, how can I best support you uh, in this moment? And if you have that willingness to want to learn about them, um, it should be easier to support them, right? And once you know, mm-hmm. like, that there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing, you know, you can attribute it to that instead of saying, oh, they checked out the relationship, or they don't care, or I'm not probably to them anymore. So it's important to communicate.
1: Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher, or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, There is no compromise, so we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation i still hear greg i can still hear the kids i love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you Times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L O O P X D R T R A C Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. Picture this you're planning your summer getaway, what to eat, where to visit, what to do, and where to sleep. But what about the comfort of home? while you're away. This is something I'm constantly considering because if I'm uncomfortable in my clothing, then I'm more irritated and then things overall just don't feel great. And this is where cozy earth comes in. Right now you can get 35% off with code shrink at checkout. Cozy Earth isn't just about creating luxurious bedding and loungewear. It's about elevating and transforming your entire travel experience. Their bedding is so soft and buttery smooth, it beats any hotel sheets I've ever slept in. And Cozy Earth's bedding comes in these adorable totes, making it travel-friendly and hassle-free. These have been my go-to sheets for well over a year now, and they are a must no matter where you go. Plus, their loungewear is perfect for those long flights or car rides their temperature regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew ensures that you stay cool and comfy on those long flights i know not everybody is hitting the road or the skies this summer and that's totally okay you can also create your own sanctuary at home and cozy earth has everything you need to make every moment feel more blissful Trust me, once you experience the comfort and quality of Cozy Earth, you'll never want to go back. My pajamas, the kids keep asking why I'm still wearing them. Visit CozyEarth.com, use my code SHRINK, at checkout to get 35% off. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. I think that's a really important piece there that you've just said, is that attribute that to the symptom, to what's happening there. It's like you're externalizing it. You're not taking it inwards to say, this is something about me, which someone who has anxious attachment style, for example, will internalize those things. Oh, they don't want to spend Mm -hmm. time with me. Or or if they kind of move away because a certain type of touch feels uncomfortable, that can feel really threatening for a partner. But it's like saying... yeah. It's like saying, you know, this isn't about me and mm-hmm. that I can try to bring awareness to what my partner is experiencing.
0: Right.
1: I, I think there's this piece here that what your reels really bring your education that you're bringing uh, to people is that they may actually not know that that's their experience. Right. So someone right. with ADHD sees your reel about the sensory experiences and they're like, yes whoa like mind-blowing yes that's my experience and then they can use that they can send it to their partner they can help them understand they can use that to open a conversation
0: yeah no i i completely agree i think it's easier to send a a seven second tiktok or a facebook or instagram video as opposed to having to explain to your partner and say hey so when you do this it's frustrating blah blah but if you send a video that's a little funny or has like a popular song in the background and your ears train to listen for that song, you're listening to the song, but then you're learning at the same time. Um, and it can be a great way to communicate. And just like you mentioned with the, the um, um, anxious uh, attachment style, a lot of times those individuals will tend to, you know, find people with the avoidance styles, right? So you have this tug of war, you go back and forth. So if ADHD is an equation um, and the person who is more so avoided is struggling with that, then they may not know how to express their feelings. So then they're going to be, you know, on the outside looking in because they don't even want to take the time to talk to that person because they feel like that person is going to judge them or they're not going to even listen to what you have to say. So sometimes communication can be impaired for many different reasons. So if you can, if like the video sometimes, it's not so stupid for therapy, but it might act as like a third party, right? You send me virtually to somebody and like, oh, this person is a professional and he's making these funny videos, but there's a message behind it, which can improve our relationship. I think that's validating for a lot of people.
1: It's a form of self-help that this is, that we right. know that this can help people to start seeing their symptoms, open conversations, bringing awareness to what's happening for them and making small shifts. I, I'm thinking exactly. about even, that there's kind of two things that are showing up for me. The first one is someone with ADHD. Um and how they take information in and how they process it and that can be a big struggle when partners get wrapped up you you know I'm all about the couples I'm right. a couples yeah. therapist I work with couples I've been researching them writing about them but mm-hmm. it, it can create a lot of conflict if we're not thinking about right. how am I communicating to my partner in a way that's going to help them
0: right that, that's huge and a lot of times we have the tendency to wanna communicate and show love in the ways that we would want to receive love. You know, like if our love language is, you know, acts of service, like we'll do, we may do things for people because we would like that to be done to ourselves, right? You know, so sometimes it's just as simple as asking that person, what do you need in this moment? How can I help you out? Uh, but sometimes even when you ask somebody like, you know, your partner what they need, you still may want to do what, you want to do for them because that's what you feel comfortable doing. Mm. So you have to approach that uncomfortable step in your relationship where you may have to realize, okay, I'm not good at doing what they need, but how can I at least make some like an effort to get closer? So it's not about, you know, doing what they need, you know, that's helpful if you can do that. But I think if they see that you're making an effort to be uncomfortable, to do something that would help them out, that could go a long way. And then you all can meet each other halfway. So just the effort, I think I think people do realize when somebody cares, so that that goes a long way.
1: I'm th- yeah, I, I'm really that that piece there around communication, and this can be for for someone who struggles with anxiety, depression, ADHD. Right. But if we show up in a certain way, we want to consider how our partner receives information. So, if for example you are on your phone finishing a task, and then I come at you and tell you the three most important things I need you to to know and do for me that day, Right, it might be harder for you to shift gears, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's, um, the the processing of information and how we do it. Or I'm thinking I had one client that would sit in session and would have a fidget so that we could have the conversation back and forth, right? So they would have the fidget tool with them so that we could focus on what is it that we're working through in this time.
0: That's so important. And, you know, I'm sure the majority of my patients would agree, you know, if something as simple as having a a fidget spinner, you know, in a session with a therapist, like sometimes at that point, it's not even about what you're saying, it's the fact that you allow them to have it. They're more comfortable to talk to you, you know, and sometimes when you have these experiences, Like on both sides, like either as the patient or as a therapist, like it's beneficial because then you take make the mental note and you say, okay, wow. So I allowed this person to have this thing and, and they were comfortable. So now with the next person, if I ever reach a point where it's hard to communicate, you know, maybe I'll ask them what I can do to help them be more comfortable. Because if people are not comfortable, they can't open up to you. So whether I think this is for all interpersonal relationships, therapist, patient, you know, uh, or even within like uh, setting a couple or maybe the polyamorous, it depends on whatever type of relationship it is, but just having that communication, uh, it's very helpful. And I think just learning from your mistakes because professionally I've learned from so many situations where um, a patient came back after the fact and I did something correctly, you know, and then they say, Oh, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with you at this time because I didn't think that you cared about this or that, but maybe I asked about the religion or I asked about something that made them feel like, okay, I'm actually listening. You know, so it's important that I, I, I take notes all the time. I'm like, all right, okay. So next time I have a patient, not to generalize, the next time I have a patient who comes from this background, let me be mindful of this or that. Or if I'm confused, I'll just ask, I'll say, Hey, is this something that would be helpful for you? You know? So, and, and even personally, I've made mistakes where like, I could think of one um Uh, uh, ex-girlfriend I was uh, dating and she was struggling with depression at the time and uh, you know like I didn't know and you know we were back and forth and not connecting with each other but if I had known then maybe I would have made comments like oh um, do you go three days without washing your hair or do you go a whole week without you know but I didn't know so once I knew and like she said it I was like you feel embarrassment at first like oh my goodness but then you know to be more mindful and have empathy for people. So I think we'll make mistakes. You know, sometimes you can't beat yourself up for that. But when you take notes, then you realize how important communication and empathy is.
1: I hear you talking about how we can actually use shame because when we make mistakes in relationships, that sometimes we go into this shame and we spiral away from their, from our partners, right? I can see it happening in the couples in my office. And... What is important about that is not letting shame disconnect us, um, but right. instead I can use that shame and ask myself, okay, what's it teaching me here? Hmm, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So when I ask my partner a question in this way, it doesn't really feel good. So now I'm going to make sure I'm more attentive to talking about it mm-hmm. this way, right? And that that becomes right. healthy shame because I'm not getting swallowed up by it and right. separating you and I. I'm not going to go into my room and beat myself up and disengage, but instead I'm using it to guide the behaviors exactly. that I could do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I think that helps you realize that you're on the same team, you know, and th- that's the ironic nature of like, you know, an issue like within a relationship. But Sometimes you're like, oh, this person versus that person, but you're on the same team. You know, you all, all have the same goal in mind, but at this time, this certain issue is dividing you all. So you feel compelled to, you know, maybe like raise your voice to them or separate yourself or go into a certain room. When you realize that, Oh, like there's different ways to experience different emotions and not all shame is bad then you can realize, okay, we can work together on the same team to get to the, the common goal. Cause it's not like we we're together for a reason. Sometimes people forget that. Like you, you like it's not that you're married, right? That's the only family member you'll have that you're not related to. Like you pick your partner. So at some point you were in love with them and you mm-hmm. wanted to be with them. So sometimes you just have to take a step back and remind yourself that like it's you and your partner or partners versus that problem.
1: Yeah. It's externalizing the problem. That's mm-hmm. it's so important. What, what, what could partners do? Let, let's talk about this one. This one shows up in my community mm-hmm. a lot. When, if you see your partner struggling with their mental health, but they don't reach out for help, They say, no, no, I don't, I'm not going to go for help.
0: That's a great question. So it's a very common question. I get this all the time. I normally tell people, if you see that your partner is struggling with their mental health, you know, pick up on who they are as an individual, you know? And a lot of times when somebody is struggling with their health, but they're not being vocal about it, there's a lot of shame attached to the fact that I'm reaching out for help, you know? So maybe do some subtle things that show that you're aware of the fact that they're struggling, And that you want to help them out, you know, because it's hard to, you know, just have a conversation out of the blue and say, hey, like you're depressed, you know, can we take, can you go book an appointment, you know? But if you kind of sit there with them um, and you offer yourself, you know, you offer your time and say, hey, or or sometimes let's say they're depressed and they haven't cleaned their room and you help them out with certain things that they find uh, to be difficult at times, you help them out. And then at that point, you can communicate with them, they see that you care. And then you can just put it out there and say, hey, I've noticed a couple of things, you know, uh, is everything okay? Or even, like, sharing stories about how you've been struggling in the past and say, oh, sometimes when I struggle, this is what it looks like. And then this is the help that I would need because that way it shows that, like, like you're also human, too, and you're talking to them. You're not talking, like, at them or, you know, in a condescending way because they need the help at that time. So just offering yourself and showing that you understand And if you don't understand, show the fact that you don't understand what they're going through, but you're willing to be there for them. Um, And one more thing I'll add to that, like I've been on panels where I've spoken with suicide survivors. uh, And um, this particular panel was like four suicide survivors. And all of them said that when somebody asked them about their suicide ideation, they actually felt better. As opposed to, you know, sometimes people saying that um, if you ask about it, you'll put a thought in their mind. So when you can get close to somebody and ask them that question, um, it's, sometimes it's like a relief for them because they might be like, struggling in silence and they don't know how to reach out. So being attentive to some of these warning signs, and it doesn't have to be that extreme, but just noticing that your partner could use some help and being there to, you know, or it's not about helping, but being willing to help should you be called upon. I think that that will go a long way in your relationship.
1: Being really curious and open and not coming in and trying to fix it, eh? Hey, right. you need to go see a therapist or uh, exactly. what's that, right? Like you need to get yourself together. We, we, mm. we, we tend to want to come in and fix things because other people's emotions or struggle feel really uncomfortable for us. Right. And I love that you brought this into the conversation that if you are concerned about your partner, open up the conversation, ask, right. That you, by you asking, Hey, you know, I know sometimes people who struggle with depression have thoughts about harming themselves by you doing that. You are not inserting those thoughts that you're right. not leading someone down that road. How, how right. would you approach that? Let's, let's give the listeners a script in terms of how they might ask oh, their, oh, wow, their okay. loved one.
0: <laughs> it's funny because, uh, like I, I feel like i struggle with this because like as a professional like it's almost automatic you know in the middle of a psyche valve or yeah. towards the end hey any else that want to hurt yourself or anybody else like it's automatic for it to come out of my mouth but um it's so like, automatic
1: loved- for us we've yeah. been trained to do that right like we have this exactly. desensitization about talking about hard stuff
0: right but within a relationship or with a loved one it it's harder and even for me because then I'm no longer like Dr. Kojo. I'm just Kojo talking to uh, a sibling, a relative, you know, a a girlfriend, you know, and that changes the the dynamic of your relationship with that person to ask. That's a very like personal question. That's like a different level of intimacy. Uh, But if you can do that, it shows that like you're at the point where like you have that direct line of communication with that person, you know? So like I would say, i'm talking to a loved one i would say hey like you know it's kind of like a weird question but sometimes you know people struggle with all kinds of weird feelings where the kind of low and sometimes not that you want to hurt yourself but sometimes people just don't want to be around anymore so like um have you had those feelings or like if you are having those feelings just i'm not saying that you, you're you having them but i'm just putting it out there if you're struggling like i'm always there to you know as somebody you can talk to Um, And there's no shame in, you know, even being at that point. And I also would let them know that some people struggle with chronic suicidal ideation and that's just how they live. But they don't want to hurt themselves, but they Mm -hmm. just have those thoughts that creep in from time to time.
1: Yes. Yeah. I I really like that script there, how you approach that with a loved one. Because you're right, it is the taking off the the patient practitioner and then going into that more intimate space and... Maybe even as we're having this conversation and for people listening, what's important for you to acknowledge is that this is a hard space to go into. Right. It is not something that yeah that we're we're trained to do. I mean, we even struggle with just asking our friends about really hard stuff and opening the conversation around that.
0: Yeah. And, And I think it's good for people to hear that. You know, us as professionals within the field, like we struggle to talk to our friends about that because- you know, when you clock out, like you're not, you're not in your scrubs, like you're just whoever you are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so to have that conversation and and also with your family members and friends and loved ones, knowing who you are, it's like, you you don't want them to think that you're trying to be their, their doctor or their therapist. Um, so it's like, because you know, that they know that you Mm -hmm. have this profession, you kind of approach things in a certain way, you know, at least for me.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> I, I I agree. I relate to that. And and it's it's important though that, you know, as a friend, whether you're in the profession or not, that you are not your partner's, a friend, a daughter or a sister or whatever it is, that you're not their therapist. That's not your role to go into. Right. Okay, that, exactly. that you're tapping into this other piece here, which is how do we then have boundaries? When it comes to, say, someone is really struggling and they're coming to you, I'll just be extreme for the sake of our question, but they're coming to you all the time with their depression and anxiety. What do we do as the person on the other side who maybe isn't struggling with their mental health? What kind of boundaries should we have?
0: Well, like I let You know, my friends and family members know that I'm always there for them, you know, but that I am also a human being. So if it's happening over and over, then, you know, like I'll offer myself and I'll say, oh, you know, during the pandemic, I went to therapy. You know, I I felt like I was kind of having some of the same thoughts that you were having, where I was anxious and this, that, and the third. But it's also important to like mention sometimes it's, I like to use humor a lot. So I might just kind of throw it in there like, I'm like, Hey, you, you know, I'm not like your doctor, you know? So I'm just kind of like, you know, to kind of like lighten the mood. Uh, and if that doesn't work at some point, you may have to like, just plainly say like, Hey, like, I appreciate talking to you, but like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not your therapist. I can't offer you this service, you know? And if I put myself in this position to where it looks like I'm overextending myself, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to me. Right. And I value our relationship, you know? So I like, I, I, you know, sometimes to keep people around, you have to have uncomfortable conversations. You can't be afraid of the conflict. So just letting people know like, Hey, like, you know, like, I love you. Like, you know, you're my guy, you're my cousin, you're my, you know, you're my girl or the case may be, but I can't be this person for you. You know? And and I think for me, it'd be more challenging like an actual relationship because like, you know, you're talking to your partner and they're revealing intimate details um, and you can't really say, I mean, you can, but it's kind of like, you know, rude to be like, I'm not your therapist, you know, like you go find a psychiatrist or something like that. But to you have to be able to set boundaries and find a nice way of saying it. It depends on the person mm-hmm. you're dating. Like, You know how to butter things up and say to them nicely. Um, but you don't want to conflate that role of boyfriend versus therapist or best friend versus therapist. Yeah. Um,
1: and whether you're, whether you're a therapist or not, in, outside in the world, right, whoever's listening, it, it's so important right. to remember that as a friend or a lover or partner, it's not your job to enter into that role. Right. And that you can have that limit there of being able to say, I care for you and right. I can't keep talking and supporting you on this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and when you do that, it's better you have that conversation sooner than later. Because the longer you put it off, like, the deeper, like, you'll go into this, like, you know, unofficial patient-therapist relationship where they're kind of putting things on you and to, like, and and you would want to save your relationship and keep it at that level where, like, you enjoy the person, like, it's mutually beneficial. So having, you know, that conversation, you know, sooner than later will actually help to save a relationship. Sometimes people don't want to have it because they're afraid of having that uncomfortable talk and they fear that, oh, if I, if I tell them this or I set the boundaries, i lose a friend. But oh. I feel like if you don't say anything, you'll get to the point where you may blow up and say like, hey, like, you can't be telling me this type of stuff. And at that point, like nobody wins.
1: That's what passivity does in our relationships, right? It right. builds up resentment. And I love the I image of... I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, that that boiling pot of water where you're like holding down the lid. You don't say right. anything, you don't say anything, then the lid's gonna blow off, right? And then you will have a rupture in a friendship. You could lose exactly. your friend. Yeah. I think this is such a challenging topic because I know I I hear from people saying, I I, I really want to support this person that I love and care about. I see them struggling. I see them on the couch all day. Um, I think of the community that I work with where it could be, you know, mom says, I'm caring for the three kids and now I have to care for my partner. They're not helping. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their depression is there. And that's really challenging. It's really hard to navigate that.
0: Yeah, it's hard. And and I'm happy that we're having these conversations because, you know, at least take like a you know a, a relationship between man and woman just for example purposes right we don't talk a lot about male mental health right so sometimes the guy might be struggling and it's not like visible but maybe they're out in substance abuse you know or maybe they're maybe self-harm you know but then on the other end you have the the lady who is saying i'm overwhelmed i'm a mom i'm this i'm that and she's probably right she probably is overwhelmed but you know there's that barrier between you know the problem and then the solution and it lies in the communication and the understanding so sometimes just having and that's why therapy is a beautiful thing you know you can mm-hmm. connect the dots and then once you see what the other person is going through you can kind of like make it a game to be like okay how can i best support you like i want to support you as best as possible and the other person feels the same way about you and then both you all are putting in the work and it's improving their relationship as opposed to kind of being like I gotta take care of myself. I need to do this. I need to make sure I'm okay. You know, so that communication is gonna be so important, um, especially when you have cause sometimes you really do feel like you're overwhelmed and the other person is like being unhelpful, whether it's on purpose or whether it's you know, you know, unintentional, like the outcome is still the outcome. Like I feel alone, mm-hmm. I don't feel supported. So it's important to communicate or you know, do the small gestures that can get you closer communicating because if you've been fighting for a week you know you even if you go a couple steps and they come and see you right you might not go home and then just like be all over each other like you have to kind of like because emotions are involved you have to like work yes. your way into it and then kind of it's kind of like almost like dating again like after you have like a big argument you have to kind of get comfortable you can't just like oh sometimes you might but a lot of times it takes a while for you to ease back into it there's a
1: valve to open up right that it's hard when you're doing this deeper work that you know you're not just going to go home and have the passionate sex that the television episode show us right exactly yeah Yeah. i think there is oh go ahead
0: no i'm just saying i'm happy you said that it's the hard work because a lot of times people will see a relationship that has been there for five ten fifteen twenty years um and now with social media you can look on on instagram or on youtube and you have the you know pretty youtube couple right and i like i'm happy for them but people will idolize them and you'll see like Mm. the lady the lady is beautiful and the man's like super handsome in shape and they have like three kids and their house is like spotless and you know women are looking at the guy like how no no women looking at the lady like how is she managing motherhood all this stuff and she's like no bags underneath, underneath her eyes, right? And the guy's like, this guy is a rock star. He's doing all this, has a beautiful wife. When I mean, people don't know that, like in order to really sustain a relationship, you have to have these uncomfortable conversations. Like it takes work on the mm-hmm. back end. And nobody mm-hmm. really gives you like a pat on the back for coming to see somebody like you. Like you, have, you do it for yourself, yeah. you
1: know? Oh, that's so true, eh? There's like no, there's such little reinforcement. And yeah. I know that people end up in my office, much later than when they should have come right sure, like right. wouldn't it be great if people came to therapists earlier on to learn about themselves right. to learn about their relationship to heal old wounds that are even there before the relationship exactly. it becomes more preventative eh? yeah right. yeah, yeah. what you know just thinking about the work that you do and here we are in the mental health field what top three things do you wish people knew about mental health
0: so the first thing is that as you alluded to earlier if we could take a more you know preemptive and proactive approach to something like therapy the long-term benefits is insane like you're you're literally saving the relationship that you're not in yet if that makes sense like you're not Mm -hmm. in the relationship yet but you're saving it because you've done the work you know, but nobody gives you credit for it. But doing that will go, go a long way. The second thing I would say is that, you know, getting help, you know, with your mental health is not scary as people or I would like to believe that it's not as scary as it's made out to be on TV. Like when you look at somebody in like a psych warden being strapped down and, you know, restraints, like, you know, even if you go to a psychiatric hospital, you know, like you're there for a reason. And like when you come out, you can get tips and tools and medications that can really help you and change the whole trajectory of your life um and the third thing that i would say is that it's important to as best as you can to be kind to everybody because sometimes like that goes uh longer you know goes further than like actual professional help and not say it's a substitute for professional help but sometimes like an act of kindness because like you don't know what, what somebody's going through maybe they're on their, their last straw you know or maybe they're extremely stressed you know, maybe they're on the verge of losing their job. So just by, you know, being kind, uh, I don't want people to confuse being kind for like not enforcing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, think, know oh, I have to be kind and, and passive, but no, you can be assertive and you can, you can speak your, your mind and still be kind. It's just treating people the way that you want to be treated. Uh, and that goes a long way. And mm. if you're kind to somebody and they're going through something, maybe for some reason they feel comfortable talking to you and you could be the person that connects them to the professional help that they need because they can trust you. Like a lot of people would and a lot of DMs I get, they'd rather DM me than like their actual spouse. You know, and if they took that DM and showed it to their spouse, it, it would that might fix the problem.
1: Mm. But for
0: some reason, you know, yeah. me and other people like who they like online, they feel like, okay, I don't know this person, but I feel like I could talk to them if I was if I were in a room with them. So if you can do that for somebody in real life that could go a long way.
1: Yeah, it becomes that space of being willing to enter into vulnerability with the person beside you. So if if you're practicing, you're sending Dr. Kojo that DM, right. Right, And then take that message and then write it out again for yourself. And then maybe you shorten it a little bit and send it to the loved ones that you're practicing right. stepping into that vulnerability arena um, rather than creating that distance with the people right. that you love. Yeah, right. it Dr. Can
0: definitely Kojo. Help. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'll just say it can definitely help.
1: What do you have on the go?
0: Oh, uh, for me, I have... Uh, you know, I have, you know, my show on Facebook, The Late Night Show with Dr. Kojo, the one that you were on. You know, once again, thank you for being on that show. Um, I have a morning segment that I'm going to flirt with on Facebook and, and, and uh, um, you know, try that because I got a lot of engagement in the morning. So I want to tap mm. into the audience in the morning and see what people are, you know, what they like to hear about. Uh, there's a, a short film side documentary that my team is working on. It's completed, but we're just, like, you know, like post-production um so that I'm like I'm impulsive I'm gonna put it out like yesterday my (laughs) publicist is like all right let's there's a way to do things so you know no thank God for him and we'll put it out hopefully soon I'm not sure when but it's pretty much done so that short film is kind of like a thank you to my community so uh, I can't wait to put that out and uh there's a music video that uh we have coming out uh, as well um it's called adhd um and uh, i have my younger brother in there and a couple of comedians that I'm, I'm close with here in la so that video um i'm i'm very excited about that and it, i posted some of the 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 stills mm-hmm. on instagram and um i actually have a i actually had have, i haven't announced this in the podcast but i have a, an album coming out in april it's like Amazing. a little four song album coming out um in april so uh yeah that should be very exciting to put that out there Uh, because i've been making like the mental raps you know here and there and people are like turn it to a song put it on spotify (laughs) so i have one song on spotify and then a couple of songs that we've made throughout the last year and a half so i'm just gonna put a little four song ep out and just see what the reaction to it is
1: I love how you're tapping into that creativity part that is just so good for us. Where What would be the yeah. best way for people to find you? Is it Instagram, TikTok? What, what's the best way? And I'm going to put all the links in the show right. notes.
0: The best way is probably Instagram because I feel like that's like a central place to find me. Um, and Instagram is part of Meta, which is you know, Instagram and Facebook. And I have a, a larger community mm-hmm. on Facebook. But go to my IG, you can go to the, the Beacons link in my IG And then from there, you can get access to my TikTok. You can get access to my book that I wrote um, two years ago. Uh, And there's actually, um, my second book is coming out, should be December of this year. Um, Amazing. A a mental health workbook. I forgot to mention that. Uh, And um, yeah, that should be like in stores and Barnes and Noble and things like that. So I'm very excited for that. But um, that link in my Instagram has like everything that I'm doing. Like sometimes like I'll literally go to that link myself to figure out like what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> What's yeah. next? What's next? Awesome, Dr. Kojo. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: I am so glad that Dr. Kojo joined me on the podcast because he had so much to bring in around what happens in terms of our relationships and mental health. And there was something really important that he shared that might have been missed and is worth emphasizing again. And that is that sometimes what we do in our relationships is we attribute something our partner does either to us or to them. And that when it comes to a partner who is struggling with depression or ADHD, that we want to be able to see that we're also in that relationship with the struggle they're having. It is part of the dynamic that comes up. So if, for example, your partner doesn't share something with you. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's about you or that they don't love you or there's something going on with them. It it could be about the depression, that self-blame is really high, or what's commonly seen for partners where one partner has ADHD and they forget to do something, it's not that they forgot to do it because they don't care about you. So what I love that we talked about in today's episode is Dr. Kojo saying how important it is for us to be curious in our relationship regardless of what kind of situation is showing up and that this curiosity can take us away from judgment and really shifting into a position of being open and respectful and trying to get understanding with our partners Our mental health is connected to our relationship distress and that we see from the research there's a bi-directional relationship where if our relationship distress is higher, then we are more likely to struggle with depression and anxiety and the other way around. I understand how hard relationships are and just how limited our time is to be able to start making those changes. This is why I created my on-demand program, Be Connected, so that if in the middle of the night you've had one of those hard moments when your partner didn't wake up with the baby and you are feeling angry and resentful, you can tap into my program, look at a lesson to help you navigate how to get through this, or join me in my live Q&A call so that we can move through this stuck point. And be connected, I teach you how to go from disconnected and overwhelmed to be able to start communicating your needs and improve your connection. I think what stands out for me most is when the women in the program join me in the live Q&A call and they tell me that they were able to identify their trigger and show up to it differently so that they didn't spiral into the same fight that they have had over and over again with their partner. If you're looking for more, join me, go to drtracyd.com. And I look forward to being able to support you on this journey. Thank you once again for tuning into another podcast here. If I haven't heard from you, send me a DM, click the stars to leave me a review so that more people can find this podcast. And remember, you are right where you need to be. This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, have a good rest of the week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in